0: Jati Napucho Sadhu Nobody asks the Jati of a Sadhu. Why? He or she has basically stepped out of the fourfold order, has left the Varna system behind, and is going after the ultimate reality which far exceeds. The three gunas and if he or she manages to become a yogi what is the term that we use three guna tita the individual has be- has gone beyond the three gunas because it is basically the three you know the gunas that actually create the varna of an individual I am really thankful to the mother and Sri Aurobindo for having given me this opportunity to speak on this topic, Varna, in the light of Sri Aurobindo, which is extreme, extremely important as far as the contemporary times are concerned. There are two things involved here. If you would really look at the contemporary sociological situation, you would see that the issue of caste is a big issue within the Indian context. And if you are familiar with what the British Indologists have written on the issue of Hinduism and caste, you will also find that there are profound distortions that have happened in the representation and through the educational system that they established in India, and because of the fact that the educational system uh, post independence was not really deconstructed, that the narrative that had been put by the British indologists are still alive and kicking, and based on the study that i have done over a period of time i can very clearly see that there has been a gross misunderstanding of this issue and people who are familiar with surebindo's writings particularly in the foundations of indian culture you would know that he really took great pains to describe The Varna system from within. What was the system like when it was put in place during the Vedic times? How did it change over a period of time? How did it undergo decline? And the current form in which we see it today operational in the Indian society, this is not really how it was when it was put in place for the first time so what was it like when it was put together during the vedic times that is from where i will basically begin today's discourse and taking the help from what Sri Aurobindo has written basically unfold and unpack the topic. Now, not too long ago, there was a movie which was released in India. And the movie was certainly a grosser. It was a super hit. The name of the movie was Three Idiots. And you can say that it was a very good take on the current educational system which is prevalent in India and one of the messages that the movie gave to us was that the vocation that we choose in our life it should be consistent with our inner constitution it should agree with what we would like to call as our swadharma or the dharma that we have towards ourselves. Now, if you have resonated with this idea in the movie, then we can safely say that you really understand the fundamentals of the Varna system. The Varna system was basically created to honor the inner constitution of every individual. And the idea was that in accordance with the Swadharma, which is formed by the inner constitution of an individual, he or she would basically take up his or her profession. Now, in order to understand the Varna system, It is extremely important that we understand a little bit of Sankhya where the three gunas are discussed extensively many of you would know that the Sankhya system was one of the very first of systems which actually spoke about how the universe came into existence how the cosmos actually came into existence and in the beginning the system basically says that the dynamic aspect of the Divine Prakriti was basically unmanifest and at that point in time or rather at some point in time she actually came in contact with Purusha And when Purusha came in contact with Prakriti, the three modes of Prakriti, Sattva, Rajas, and Tamas, which were in equilibrium earlier, their equilibrium got disturbed. And when the equilibrium got disturbed, then the creation began. Out of concentration of Sattva, Mahat was born. Mahat, loosely translated, means universal intelligence, which manifests as buddhi in human beings or individuals. Out of mahat through concentration of rajas came ahankara so ahankara basically was born out of mahat through the concentration of rajas and out of ahankara through the concentration of sattva once again, Manas, five Jnanendriyas and five Karmendriyas were born on one side, and on the other side, through the concentration of Tamas, Tanmatras, five Tanmatras, and five Mahabhutas basically came into existence so you know the unmanifest Prakriti basically consisted of these through three gunas Sattva Rajas and Tamas and what are these these are basically qualities and they are basically in flux in human beings also They are present. All the three are present. And it is the predominance of a particular guna which basically gives rise to different varnas. Because these different gunas, they create propensities or proclivities within individuals. So what happens in an individual if there is a predominance of sattva? that individual basically will be preoccupied with quest for knowledge, light, harmony, the matters of ultimate existence, which within the Vedantic parlance has been called Brahma. Because this individual is going to go after Brahma this individual is a Brahmana the predominant preoccupation of this individual will be to study and inquire inquire into the deeper meanings of his or her existence now what happens when there is a predominance of rajas when there is predominance of rajas then that individual will be inspired not towards study and inquiry, but towards administration and governance. That individual would basically want to become a statesperson, he would want to become an administrator, king, or a governor. The class of these individuals is basically called Kshatriya. Similarly, when there is combination of rajas and tamas within an individual, the individual will be born with a propensity to seek wealth and go after wealth. The class of this or these individuals will be Vaishya, people who will be craftspeople, artisans, merchants, agriculturists, and so on and so forth. And the people in whom tamas will be predominant will neither be inspired towards gaining knowledge power or wealth the person will be predominantly indolent and lazy the vedic tradition call this category of people as shudra now the important thing that is important that's important for us to know at this point in time is That in the Vedic times, this system was not birth-based, it was not hereditary. It was basically dependent upon the inner proclivities and propensities that the individual would have towards pursuing his or her vocation, vocation and what surebindo says is that the societal forms in the initial stages of the indian culture or the hindu culture were very supple and flexible so basically you had a lot of latitude within the society you know for individuals to be picking up their own Occasions. unfortunately in the later times this supple system was basically straight-jacketed and when it was straight-jacketed the suppleness and the flexibility that it had that began to get lost and in a certain sense you can say that this also started decline of the indian society or the hindu society now what is the reason behind this the swadharma of an individual was which was basically created through the gunas the predominant gunas that the individual or the individuals had that began to not get respected that began to not get honored in fact one of the important things of the vedic tradition was that every dharma should be in consonance with rita if dharma is aligned with rita then the universe is, flo- is flowing properly. There are no obstructions. So as long as the swadharma of an individual, which was based on the gunas with which he or she was born, was honored, the individual was in harmony with not only his or her swadharma, but also with larger rita. So, which is the first instance that you find that this system, which was extremely supple and flexible in the very beginning, beginning to become straight jacketed. You see that in the Dharmashastras. The earliest Dharmashastra, which is extant now, is by Gautam, you know, which is called as Gautam Dharma Sutra, of course, in the Shastra's are commentaries on the sutras. So the earliest sutra on this particular issue which is available is Gautam Dharma Sutra. And when you go through Gautam Dharma Sutra, you will clearly see that this system has actually become hereditary. There are passages after passages, you know, where it is emphasized that an individual born you know of a brahmin mother and brahmin father is a brahmin and so on and so forth but here also what you find is that when it comes to the karma the karma is being defined through the action that the individual is having karma is not Prarabdha karma over here. Whenever karma is being mentioned, what is emphasized is the work or the vocation with which the individual is engaging. This brings me, you know, to the famous quote from Bhagavad Gita where Sri Krishna says that the four Varnas have been created by him. Chatur Varenayam, guna karma Vibhagashah. Based on Guna and Karma. There are people who have interpreted Karma as Prarabdha Karma. But if you really look at the Dharma Shastras and the Dharma Sutras, it is very, very clear that whenever karma is being mentioned, it is the vocation which is being spoken about. So in Gautam Sutra, what you find is that there is a tension, you know, it's, it's probably the beginning of the times when the suppleness and the flexibility of the Vedic times is being lost in the classical times. Because of which, there is this tension between birth and karma or vocation in terms of Varna. But after a certain point in time, when the external aggression happened, the Indian society or the Hindu society completely lost touch with the wisdom which had basically put the Varna together in the first place. And when this happened, there was a petrification of the system that happened. And the system, which is commonly known as caste system today, began to acquire tremendous oppressive qualities. But when I make this point, it is extremely important that it was not only the internal decline in the Hindu society which caused this but it was also the external aggression during the islamic invasions and british colonization that actually led to the creation of this situation given that i have mentioned you know what happened during british colonialism let me talk a little bit about how the Britishers ossified the situation. In fact, there's a wonderful book written by Nicholas Dirks called Casts of mind, in which he describes very clearly that it was through the census, the numerous census that the British had undertaken, which actually stratified and ossified the system completely because of which it lost completely the flexibility which it had at one point in time or the declining flexibility that the system had when the britishers intervened i would not go into too many details but i would like to point out here that the western cosmology essentially operates in dualities dichotomies and binaries and one of my key observations is that whenever a dichotomy or a duality gets created within the western cosmology one half of the binary gets privileged and the other half gets suppressed this happens at the level of thought this has happened in western cosmology right from the greek times and it has happened even when the counter-cultural revolution of the 60s that happened in the united states so there's a long history you know when a particular issue gets dichotomized or binarized if you will and one half of the binary gets privileged and the other gets suppressed at the level of thought i will not take many examples here but i will only take the dichotomy which is in which is in operation in current academia, when the current academia actually deals with what is called as the caste system. So as I mentioned earlier, that whenever a binary situation gets created, one half of the binary gets privileged and the other half gets gets suppressed. So post French revolution, in Europe in terms of thought what you found or what one finds is that the notion of equality was getting privileged and the notion of hierarchy was getting suppressed now it also is true that what gets suppressed in western cosmology gets projected on to the colonized other it's something like this here is a binary one half of the binary gets privileged the other gets suppressed whatever gets suppressed it gets projected onto the colonized other so in terms of thought predominantly when the british colonizers or the british ontologists began writing on the indian situation what they did was that they made the indian social situation completely hierarchical in thought and then what gets created in their thought through the colonial apparatus basically gets produced and reproduced in the material situation. So what the British Indologists did first was that they imagined first that the Indian social situation is completely hierarchical. And through the many senses that they had beginning the 19th century, They created a very, very inflexible social situation which was extremely hierarchical and oppressive. You know, when you look at the Vedic times, it is true that within the Indian social situation, there was a tremendous amount of gradation, you know, with respect to the Brahmins, Kshatriyas, Vaishyas, Shudras, and so on and so forth. But if you go back to how the universe was explained as far as creation in Sankhya is concerned, you do not see that Sattva, Rajas and Tamas they are arranged in a hierarchical fashion it is not arranged in hierarchical fashion in fact when we take the creation into account what do you find you know you had mahat coming out coming through concentration of sattva ahankara through rajas manas and gyanendriyas and karmendriyas again through concentration of sattva on one hand and tanmatras and mahabhutas through concentration of tamas so it's not like you know rajas is coming out of sattva and tamas is coming out of rajas there is an interplay of sattva rajas and tamas and before the creation began these three gunas they were equal modes of the prakriti so my contention here is that if you really look at the situation in the vedic times it Cannot be explained through the binary or dichotomy of hierarchy and equality. It was a system which basically exceeded both. To basically use Sri Aurobindo's phraseology over here, it transcended and integrated hierarchy and equality even when you look at purushukta in fact you know the current academicians are very uh, fond of using purushukta just one uh, you know verse from purushukta and saying that the the entire varna system is hierarchical because it is described in the purushukta that the brahmins came from the face the kshatriyas you know from the arms the Vaishas from the abdomen area and the Shudras from feet. But if you take the next verse into account, what you find is that moon is coming out from manas, mind. Sun is coming out from the eyes. Indra and Agni. Are coming out from mouth and from prana is coming out by you now the gods have definitely been held superior to sun and moon you know if there were a strict hierarchy here then the gods would have been coming out from mind but that is not so so, even in Purushupta, when you take Purushupta into account in entirety, you find that a very rigid hierarchical system actually does not come about. Fast forward, when you come to the times when this system began to get stratified and the Dharma Shastras and the Dharma Sutras began to get written. Even in those times, the, the flexibility within the system was not completely re- removed. And how can we say that? You know, we can say that when we can, or rather when we take the ashrama system into account. What was the ashrama system? That an individual has to go through four different stages in his or her life. Brahmacharya, Grihastha, vanaprastha and Sanyas. After Grihastha, the possibility of gaining moksha and coming in touch with the ultimate divine reality was equally available to all, to people, from all the Varanas. And that is the reason in contemporary India Two things happen related to varna. still. Jati na Sadhuki. sadhu ki. Nobody asks the jati of a sadhu. Why? He or she has basically stepped out of the fourfold order, has left the varna system behind and is going after the ultimate reality which far exceeds the three gunas and if he or she manages to become a yogi what is the term that we use Triguna Tita. the individual has be- has gone beyond the three gunas because it is basically the three you know the gunas that actually create the varna of an individual so even in the classical times in much later period when the suppleness and flexibility of the system did not remain as much as it it was in the vedic times it did not completely lose suppleness and flexibility and here also you will find that if you try to understand the varna system through the binary or dichotomy of hierarchy and equality, you will not get clear answer because the system in later classical times also exceeded and integrated hierarchy and equality. In fact, there are verses in Srimad Bhagavatam where it is clearly defined that A person from any of the four varnas, if he or she has discharged his or her duties or responsibilities in his or her Grihastha, he or she will have equal opportunity to gain Moksha. So it is not that after Grihastha A brahmana has a greater possibility of achieving moksha than a vaishya or a shudra. And that is the reason right through the Indian history, you will find yogis coming from all kinds of jati and varna backgrounds. In this chapter, A Rationalistic Critic on Indian Culture, number six, Sri Aurobindo clearly says these things. And what I'm going to do now is basically read some of his passages. And after that, I will close. Talking about the suppleness that we discussed earlier, he says, there is a first period of large and loose formation. There is a second period in which we see a fixing of forms, molds and rhythms. And there is a closing or a critical period of superannuation, decay and disintegration. Let me be very clear and candid in saying that at no point in time, Sri has justified the present caste system despite the fact that he has talked he has spoken great lengths on the Varna system he has never defended the caste system in fact he writes the following the ancient chatur varanya must not be judged by its later disintegrated degeneration and gross, meaningless parody, the caste system. And he laments the fact that the Indian society lost a lot when it basically made the Varna system birth-based. This is what he writes. The Indian idea in its purity fix the status of a man in this order not by his birth but by his capacities and his inner nature and if this rule had been strictly observed that would have been a very clear mark of distinct distinctiveness a superiority of a unique kind and then he writes again he says, Birth is not and cannot be the sole test of Varna. The intellectual capacity of the man, the turn of his temperament, his ethical nature, his spiritual stature, these are important factors. And what happened to the Varna system towards the end, this is what he writes. Even when its ways, can no longer be made consistent with the the developing needs of the growth of humanity. The formal system persists and corrupts the truth of life and blocks progress. Indian society did not escape this general law. It was overtaken by these deficiencies, lost the true sense of the thing which it set out to embody and degenerated into a chaos of castes developing evils which we are now much embarrassed to eliminate and i think in somewhere in the four chapters that he has written on indian renaissance he candidly says that the caste system in the present form must go and must be eliminated so with that Thank you very much for giving me time to talk about this wonderful issue. I'm glad that I was able to do so. And I really thank Sri Sampadanand Mishra from Sri Aurobindo Foundation for Indian Culture to have invited me for this talk. Thank you very much. Продолжение